0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And go for Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. Thanks for being here. Uh, this is a video of a 16 year old in front of the California Racial and Identity Profiling Advisory Board. Now, uh, sh- I can't believe that's a thing, but she says at the beginning of this clip here that she's with Pico and SDOP. Pico stands for people improving communities through organizing and they say they're nonpartisan but a 20-second perusal of their website and you see that they are for prison reform and pro-black lives matter and they're for single-payer health care and pro-illegal immigration and all the rest sdop is san diego organizing project it's the same thing it's just the local branch of pico Then, another thing that's kind of hard to hear, she says she likes werewolf stories. That's what she's saying there, werewolf stories. It's just kind of hard to hear with the quality of the audio. Um, Okay, I'll break it down after you hear it. It's 1576.
2: Hi, uh, my name is Leah Blake. I'm 16, and I'm with Pico, California, and SDOP. I don't want to take too much time, but I'd like to start off saying uh, I used to read a lot of werewolf stories. (laughs) And I say that because in these stories, they'd have rogue wolves. These wolves would separate from the pack because they didn't agree with the laws, customs, and leadership that the rest of the pack adhered to. I say that because I don't believe in rogue cops. It makes no sense. The criminal justice system as we know it today was formed after slavery ended in order to continue to oppress and suppress black people. This was furthered in Um, perpetuated by Jim Crow segregation, the war on drugs and racial profiling, the thing that these all have in common is it uses race to oppress and suppress people of color. If there are rogue cops, they can't be rogue because the things that they're doing are simply perpetuating and complying with the core values of the organization for which they work.
1: So she says there's no such thing as rogue cops. It's not that there's a few bad apples. They're all bad. Uh, Let me start saying this. The girl's 16 years old. I I commend her for getting up and speaking. I think it's awesome that she's involved. And nothing I say here is critical of her. Uh, I'm critical of the people around her. And from the people who she's getting this toxic perspective from there is no way she on her own came to the conclusion that quote the criminal justice system was formed after slavery to continue to oppress and suppress black people (laughs) i don't even know how anyone could possibly think that's true here's the big picture I'm not going to waste time focusing on each specific accusation because they all fall under the broader category of every problem in the the black community is caused by external factors. Every single problem. But it's not true. Again, I know we've already quoted it today, but it's such a good book, Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell, who I guess I have to say is a black man. A black economist, one of the smartest people of our era, no doubt about it. Um, He said every problem, or we're told that every problem in the black community can be traced back to the legacy of slavery. But blacks from the Caribbean, they had a history of slavery, but they brought to the United States with them a very different culture, which is why among Blacks from the Caribbean, they have a higher rate of entrepreneurship, higher education levels, a lower incarceration rate than blacks from America. Thomas Sowell calls it ghetto black culture. All right, so ghetto black Americans and black people from the Caribbean, they're both black. They both had a history of enslavement. But what they don't share is a history of redneck culture. And I know we talked a ton about this last week, but in case you missed it, redneck culture. So redneck is not a term from the South. Cracker is not a term from the South. Both of those terms come from uh, Northern, Northern England and Ulster County, Ireland and Scotland, which are where the people who settled the Southern colonies came from. They brought with them their redneck culture. So Southerners... Had that culture from northern England, all white southerners, all southerners. Then over time, white people moved away from that culture, but it was embraced by black Americans in the south, not black Americans in the north. They had a very different culture. There was a time when black southerners migrated to the north and they brought with them their broken culture. And now you see it in pockets uh, all across the country, mostly in cities the ghetto black culture, that culture, there's nothing black about it. Again, if you trace it back, it's very similar to the culture of the crackers and rednecks in Northern England. And that's, that's what Thomas soul does in this book is he traces the whole thing out. Um, the reason that people blame all the problems in the black community on external factors on the sins of others is in his words it, it requires no painful internal changes in the black population but leaves all changes to whites in short, there are in short there are many who find a good alibi far more attractive than achievement for an achievement does not settle anything permanently we still have to prove our worth every day We have to prove that we are as good today as we were yesterday. But when we have a valid alibi, a valid excuse for not achieving anything, then we are fixed, so to speak for life excuses. When you have excuses, it's never your fault. It's always someone else's fault. That's why that's how you come up with such nonsense. As this girl was told that the criminal justice system today was formed after slavery to continue to suppress black people. Now that is said with zero evidence given whatsoever and we're just supposed to accept that as truth and white people do because we're supposed to feel guilty about it. Even though you had no slaves, your ancestors might've fought and died to end slavery, which we talked about in the last hour. But slavery is just this all purpose explanation for everything. Broken families, poor education is absurd because right after slavery took this out right after slavery, blacks had a higher labor participation rate and a higher marriage rate than white people. Slavery couldn't even keep black families apart. Slavery couldn't. There's many stories of black men searching the ends of the earth to find their family that was ripped away from them during slavery. Black men going back down to the South and going all over everywhere trying to find their children, trying to find their wife. Today, most black men leave their children. 70% of black kids are born without a present father. 70%? That is an abandonment of responsibility and of family. And that's going on today in the black ghetto community worse than during slavery or right after slavery. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Just take two black people. Take, take a black person from 1870 doing everything they can to find their family and then take someone from the ghetto black community today, ghetto black culture, who their family's on the street has just abandoned them. So my point here is that all of these social ills only started hundred years after slavery ended. Why did the disintegration of the black family happen hundred years after slavery ended? You're going to blame slavery for that. That makes no sense. What about the previous hundred years? Check this out. Education rates among Northern blacks, All right, So visualize that black people in the North education rates were higher than Southern whites after slavery. Why? Because black people in the North had a different culture than even white people in the South. One that valued education, responsibility, hard work, black kids in the South who were educated in schools run by nor- Northerners. So there was this big missionary program movement of teachers from the North moving to the South to educate black kids and start schools. Those black kids who were educated in schools run by northerners, so these white northerners brought a culture down with them, these black southerners performed higher in tests than southern blacks, southern whites, northern blacks, and in some cases, even northern whites. It was a culture that valued education. Today, it's a culture that doesn't. And I should say, as I'm reading this other book, Life at the Bottom by Theodore Dalrymple, who, as I mentioned, was a psych- is a psychiatrist in the poorest prisons and hospitals in England he's the whole book's about the same culture, but it's not, it's not black over there. It's just, it's white. It's but it doesn't matter. It's nothing to do with race. This is what's so wild. When I talk about stuff like this, I get accused of being racist. There's nothing racist about it. That's my point. It's all culture. It's entirely cultural. There's zero race at all. It's all culture. 1871, a former slave owner visited a, uh, one of these schools, these black schools in the South and he expected to see dumb black kids there. Instead, he walked in and saw former slaves and children of slaves reciting Latin and Greek. He was astounded. That was 1871 in Georgia. Today in Baltimore, there are six high schools where not a single student can read at grade level. You're gonna blame a legacy of slavery? A legacy of slavery that didn't even hold back the kids in this school in 1871? Not even a decade after the Civil War? Are you kidding me? I'll end here with Thomas Sowell. He said, such behavior must be changed if progress is the goal. On the other hand, if the real agenda is to score points against American society, then blacks can be used as a means to that end. Moreover, a pro-black stance by white intellectuals enhances their moral standing and self-esteem. Whether or not the particular manifestation of that stance helps or harms black people in the end. All right, so if you say, oh I'm, oh yeah, I'm totally for what I, restorative justice or Black Lives Matter, or not teaching proper English in school and having low, lower standards in education, and continuing this welfare program and that welfare program and all this. If you're for all those things, uh, Oh, you feel good. (laughs) If you're a white intellectual, that increases your moral standing. You may feel better about yourself, but gosh, you're only making it worse because all these problems in the black community started in 1860. That was the rise of the welfare state. And that did more to destroy the black family than slavery ever did. That's amazing. And what you heard from that 16 year old girl is a poison that has been peddled to her that she truly believes and will use it as an excuse for the rest of her life. I'll prove that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: Mike Slater.
1: On The Blaze Radio Network.
0: Mike Slater on the blaze radio network.
1: I love this uh, excuse that systematic racism is, uh, because the criminal justice system was created after slavery to oppress black people. Remember we played a clip last week of Larry Elder. Uh, he said in Baltimore, which is where Freddie Gray, um, was, was killed. Uh, 45% of the city's black. The city council is a hundred percent Democrat. Uh, the number one cop is black. The number two cop was black. The majority of the command staff of the police department is black. Uh, the mayor is black. The attorney general is black. But we're still talking about racism in the system. It's never enough. Uh, one more clip from this 16-year-old girl. And again, it's not about her. It's about the uh, stuff she's fed every single day. 1577.
2: A while ago, I had a San Diego police um, police officer tell me that Like someone else in here said, California has the best police training in the nation. A week later, Alfred Olango was killed.
1: Okay, so it's not working right now. Apologies for that. Um, Again, why don't I just tell you what she said? She mentions Alfred Olango. Alfred Olango was a guy in El Cajon, California, right down the street from where I am right now. Uh, Police officer shot and killed him there was video of it turns out the guy pulled out a vape an e-cigarette, which at the moment looked exactly like a gun. He was not complying with the orders and ultimately was found out that he had cocaine in his system. The police officer who shot him was Hispanic. And there was another police officer right next to him who fired a taser at the exact same time. So they both thought that it was a threat. Uh, that officer was black. So we had a black officer and a Hispanic officer shooting this black man right? That information left out of this person's description of it. Uh, and again, the officers need de-escalation training, not the man complying. The man complying doesn't need any de-escalation training. The man who shoots, who doesn't comply and, and pulls out a vape cigarette as if it's a gun, he doesn't need any. It's not his fault. It's the police officers. They didn't deescalate enough. What a perfect metaphor for the real issue here. It's not his fault for not complying and pulling out something that looked just like a gun. It's the police officer's fault for not de-escalating it properly. And there was one other word she said there, which was a very uh, progressive buzzword. She said, we need better training and de-escalation and cultural understanding. We need better cultural understanding. Do you see how it's not about the people who have the culture? It's about everybody else's ability to understand it. (laughs) See that? It's not about recognizing what the culture is and trying to find the broken parts and fixing them. It's about everyone just understanding the culture. And understanding means excusing it, justifying it, bowing down before it no matter how destructive it is. Let me share one last story. Oberlin College. And and I, I, I share this because I feel so bad for this girl because she's being raised to think she's a victim. She thinks she's a victim. Oberlin College in Ohio. It was founded by white missionaries, really. Uh, white Northerners. At the time, Ohio, 1833, Ohio was the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Like, I, like Cincinnati had a thousand people. Zero people in Ohio. Uh, but this college accepted black people. It wasn't a white black college, but they accepted black people. Uh, half of the black people in the country who got a college degree in 1899 were from Oberlin. First black woman to receive a college degree. 1862, one year into the civil war. She graduated, became a principal of a high school in Washington, DC called Dunbar high school. Now, again, her culture was Northern, right? This school founded by white Northerners in Ohio, Northern school. She went to Dunbar. She went to DC, founded this school and brought these Northern principles, this culture, from this high school in DC, the first black graduate of Annapolis, the first black woman to earn a PhD, the first black general, the first black cabinet member, and the first black federal judge, all from Dunbar High School, which did not selectively choose the kids. It was an inner city high school. Now, if if this woman could do these things in the 1860s, why are we raising this girl to be victimized by slavery? This woman got a college degree in 1862. Thomas Sowell tells the story of a black student in college today. It was in Marquette who told him that he wanted to be a fighter pilot, but he realized he couldn't because the military wouldn't let in black people. He said, what are you talking about? Have you never heard of the Tuskegee Airmen during World War II? And of course they haven't heard the story of the Tuskegee Airmen because that's a story of overcoming obstacles. The only culture that this person has been taught is the culture of victimhood. And it can be changed. These cultures can be changed. The broken culture can be changed. I got to do this real quick, but there were very few uh, black people in San Francisco after World War II, but a bunch of Southern blacks moved there. Population went from 5,000 to 40,000 in a decade. The native blacks in San Francisco called these new blacks foreigners and they were worried that there'd be a lot of racism because these Southern blacks were so backwards. Same thing among Jews. There were a ton of Jews in New York from Germany, but when Eastern European Jews arrived, the German Jews said, oh no, these Eastern European Jews are dirty and they're gross and they got bad manners. We're going to help them assimilate. That's what the blacks in San Francisco did. That's what the Jews in New York did with these different types of people with a, with a different culture, same groups, but different cultures came in. They tried to help them assimilate and they did help them assimilate. It's nothing to do with race. It's culture. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio. On the
1: Blaze Radio
2: Network.
0: next generation of talk radio this is Mike Slater,
1: Slater Crusaders. Um, I don't I don't like to do this and I don't normally but I had an incredible conversation with a gentleman on Monday on my local show uh, if you go if you search for Mike Slater or San Diego the website will pop up and you go to the podcast section and it was Monday at one o'clock and um, he is a man whose uncle was in the 442. His uncle, Arthur Nishimoto, was an 18-year-old beach bum from Hawaii. He made just enough money to survive and, and buy spam uh, <laughs> uh, to, to live off of in his little hut uh, by every couple of days some tourists would come and pay him some money and he'd go and teach him how to surf. So the total beach bomb life, second generation Japanese. And he was on his garage roof when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. He could see the Japanese pilots inside the planes as they flew overhead. He was so devastated. Arthur was so devastated that his country, America was attacked and he knew that other Americans would look at Japanese Americans like him as a threat, and these two things inspired him to join the military, along with thousands of other Americans, Japanese Americans, and that's what turned into the 442, the 442nd Infantry Regiment, an absolute stunning story. I believe I I would argue it's the greatest story in American history. You're, <laughs> that's a bold statement. No, there's plenty of good ones. Don't get me wrong. We just mentioned the Tuskegee Airmen. Similar. But I would, I would if I was tasked with, with coming up with the greatest story in American history, I think it would be the men of the 442. You know, we were just talking about culture and choices and, and that 16-year-old girl talking about sy- systemic racism and systematic racism and how the criminal justice system was designed after slavery to keep black people oppressed and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you have Japanese people In the midst of laws that say Japanese people can't own land and the intense discrimination of the anti-Jap leagues, particularly in California on the West Coast, crazy racism in the 1930s and 1940s. And they had Japanese Americans literally interned, rounded up in the middle of the night, told to leave everything behind, and brought to these camps via train-just straight-up internment camps. And still, These men fought for this country specifically. And this is the key. And this is why I think this is the greatest story in America. Specifically fought. Intentionally fought. Purposefully taught. Because they wanted to prove the stereotypes wrong. I want to be very clear about this. These men in the 442 did not fight. And then afterwards happened to have proved stereotypes wrong. Nope. They fought two prove the stereotypes wrong and they did they knew that they would be viewed as the enemy so they went they wanted to prove beyond all doubt that they were not the enemy and that they were loyal patriotic americans just like everyone else in this country that is such a frustration i have with different subcultures in america is there's no effort to prove everyone wrong There's no effort to prove the stereotypes wrong. In fact, in pop culture, within these subcultures, they go through great lengths to prove the stereotypes right. Listen to some rap music as an example of the garbage that's being put out there and the garbage that's going into people's minds. And that gives you an idea of how it turns into garbage out, garbage in, garbage out. But that girl, she said, basically she's saying she can't succeed because of systematic oppression, but it didn't stop the men of the 442. That's incredible. But it's going to stop you. And that's the story we just shared. The the first black graduate of Oberlin college, I shouldn't say the, no, yeah. First black, black female graduate of Oberlin college, 1862. It didn't stop her, but it's going to stop you. What are you talking about? So I asked this gentleman for, for a characteristic of the men of 442. And he said, Yamada Damashi. And I said, Oh, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. I said, What the heck is Yamada Damashi? He said, It's an old samurai principle, part of the Bushido code, samurai code. And it means having the ability to feel fear, but to overcome it. I want to be clear it, it's not the ability to not feel fear, it's the ability to feel it and overcome it. College campuses are severely lacking in Yamada Damashi. i have never heard this term before when I talked to this guy. So I did some research and I came across the story of an MMA fighter. His name's Ensign Inoue. And he was known for being willing to die in the octagon. He was a Japanese American. He was known for being willing to die. Someone would put him in an arm lock and. He, he won't tap out, he'll just get his arm broke. <laughs> you just, it's like, so everyone else, you put him in an arm bar and they tap out right away. Cause if you don't, it's gonna break your arm, but you put him in an arm lock and he won't tap out. You just, you gotta break his arm. That's Yamada Damashi. he never gives up. And this is why the men in the 442 were known by the German soldiers not because they were Japanese people in American uniforms, but because they were insane. They would charge uphill into German machine gun fire. That's Yamada Damashi. I watched an interview with this MMA fighter and he gives an example and he says, imagine your, I I tell you to walk across or walk on this two by four, 20 yards. Okay. You got to walk on this two by four, 20 yards. And at the end of the 2x4, if you make it across, I'll give you a thousand bucks. You just can't fall off. Can't fall off and touch the, the touch of the ground. You gotta walk on the two by four to the end. No problem. Everyone can do that. And he says, but now let's say I put that beam, this two by four, in between two buildings ten stories in the air. Same plank, same two by four. I put a thousand dollars at the end. Will you do it? Probably not. This is what he says. He says it's the same plank. Same two by four, same money. Same everything, except what I'm doing with the situation is when you have the plank lying on the floor, the only thing in your mind is if you fall off, you're not going to get the thousand bucks. You're not going to lose anything. You're not going to lose your life. So your mind starts focusing right there on what you get at the other side, what I'm going to do with a thousand dollars. But then I put you in a different scenario and now I control your fear and I can control how you're going to think. All of a sudden, bam, instead of the rewards of success, what your focus is going to be on is, oh, geez, I'm 10 stories up. If I fall, I die. So right there, you're not even thinking about the $1,000. bucks. you are not even thinking of one way of how you're going to spend the 1000 bucks because you're so worried about falling. And he says, I believe every fighter has that. Whether it begins at the beginning of the fight or when he's getting arm locked, I believe every fighter has that in them where they have fear and at that point, when, where you're gonna become a Yamada Damashi fighter or not is what you do with the fear and how you look at it and what you focus your mind on. If you focus on the fear, you're gonna tap out. You're gonna quit. No one's gonna fight with all they have. Yamada Demashi is not machismo, not about being tough. It's not about no fear, no pain. It's about what you do with the fear and the pain. That's the men of the 442. They felt obviously not only the fear of living in or fighting in World War II. Forget about even that. They knew the pain. They felt the pain of having their family interned in internment camps back home. They knew the pain of the U.S. military knocking on their doors and ripping their families from their homes. They knew that pain. What did they do with it? They went out, joined the military to prove everyone wrong. That's why I think it's the greatest story in America. and what what a what a completely different way of life than millennials today, especially college kids, who all the time are fearful of everything and just making excuses all the time for for totally non existent problems, as if their families are interned. And then there's no achievement in their life and they're just looking for more blame for everyone, for everything. And no, it's not everyone else's fault. You're just scared and the fear is winning. You can't overcome it. You don't have Yamada Damashi. You're not as manly as the men of the 442. I'll end here, the the author. Oh, so this guy's writing a book, his name's Eric. He's writing a book about his uncle. And his uncle was nearing the end of his life. And he asked him for some final advice on this book. And out of nowhere, Arthur gave writing advice (laughs) and and Eric wasn't expect. Eric was expecting, Oh, make sure you put this story in there or something like that. And Arthur gave this advice. And I'll never forget this for as long as I live. Arthur told his nephew who was writing the book. He said, Don't add to it. Cut out all adjectives, more verbs, facts with action, so they want to eat it all up. (sighs) Cut out the adjectives, more verbs. I feel like too much of our society today is all adjectives, no verbs. All talk, no action. one 900 Let's all be more like the men of the 442. one 900 3393 Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Isn't that an amazing story? Like That is a perfect example between the difference of society today and, and young people today in particular where a, a, a slight breeze will throw them in the fetal position versus the men in the 442 who experienced extreme uh, discrimination and intentionally, willfully, purposefully set out to prove everyone wrong no different than black people after slavery who went through incredible lengths to bring their family back together, to get an education, to prove all the stereotypes wrong. And today it's, it's flipped. It's people as a badge of honor, almost embrace the negative stereotypes, embrace the most broken aspects of broken cultures. And then make excuses and blame everyone else so that they're the victim now. It's so completely backwards. And, and I think people to get them out of that, we have to show what it should look like, right? We have to show, give examples like the men of the 442 who set out to prove stereotypes wrong, it's possible. Not only possible, it's necessary. We need so much more of that. I'm gonna do a lot more research on the men of the 442. I'm gonna read a lot more about him because I, again, like I said, I think it's one of the greatest. I think it's. I would argue, like, if, like what it's a, it's a kind of a fun game, right? If, if you had a, a debate, greatest story in America, and there's so many to choose from, and if someone else gave a great one, I wouldn't shoot them down with it. But my choice would be the men of the four four two. Um, one last plug, if I can, from my book. I wrote a book. It's called How to Change Someone's Mind. A uh, short book. I read it. I wrote it to be read in an hour. You can read it in about an hour. I meant it as like a guidebook, something you can turn back to frequently. Um, I, I want to be very clear about what it's not, and and because if you are coming in expecting one thing and, and it's uh, it's not that, you're gonna be very disappointed. It is not about how to win an argument. It's very easy to win an argument. I, I've learned after ten years of talk radio uh, that to win an argument, you talk louder and sound more confident than the other person. And what happens, and we talk about this in the book, because of group, uh, group identities, if you do that around a group of people, then people will think you won. And that's fine, but the person who you're debating, they didn't change their mind. So what good is that? You've made feel better about yourself, but they feel worse about themselves. So this book is not about that because I believe that you have principles and opinions that if more people shared them, it'd be a better world. It'd be a better country. Winning arguments isn't going to grow that. Not going to make allies. You got to change people's minds. That's how you grow your allies. So that's what this book is about. Uh, Use some different stories. Use some science. Bunches, a lot of science uh, to prove this. And I think it's helpful. And what I really look forward to are examples or or success stories of how you've used some of these techniques and uh, how they've worked because as in the book, well, I don't want to give any stories away. Check it out. Go to Amazon search for Mike Slater. Um, you go to the Mike Slater Facebook page. There's a link to it right there. Search for Mike Slater, uh, Mike Slater show on Facebook. Uh, so you get the ebook and the paperback book. Is, uh, they're both available on Amazon right now. I'd love for you to get it. And uh, I look forward to some great successes in changing people's minds, how to change people's minds. Slater Crusaders, hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next Saturday. Mike Slater Show, spread the word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.